Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and today we're talking about a crisis in media like nothing we've ever seen before. Now, criticizing the media is nothing new. Fox News was founded with the Orwellian marketing tagline that it was fair and balanced, an answer to perceived bias in traditional media. Sarah Palin objected to critical coverage of her by blasting the so-called lamestream media, which led to a now quaint-seeming loss of confidence in media among Republicans. And nowadays, it's become so commonplace to blast the media, just like working the refs at a football game, that it's almost a cut-and-paste job into every political press release. But the reality is that the fracturing of the media landscape, the rise of social media, the battle for attention and eyeballs online, and the willingness to brazenly disregard the truth on the part of some politicians, I think you know who I mean, has left the media reeling. One of the clearest, sharpest minds on the state of the media today is Mark Jacob. He spent 41 years in newspapers, mostly in Chicago. He's the former Sunday editor at the Chicago Sun-Times and the former Metro editor at the Chicago Tribune. He recently gave an interview to my colleague, John Storr at the editorial board, where he outlined some of the biggest problems in the media today. And I knew that Beyond Politics listeners would want to hear what he has to say. Mark, welcome to Beyond Politics. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. It is not a pleasure to talk about this topic. It's, it's really a bummer. I have to say, as a, you know, I grew up reading newspapers. I'm dating myself here. But I used to get the New York Times, my hometown newspaper, every single day. I actually used to be able to steal a copy when I didn't have enough pocket cash from the old newspaper dispensers. There was a trick for it. I, I shouldn't call myself out on the radio for this. But I, I was a big consumer of what you'd nowadays call the mainstream media. And I have to say, everything that you've offered in the way of media criticism is really striking a chord with me. Now, you wrote kind of an epic Twitter thread back on September 27th of 2021. You wrote on Twitter that the media have been unintentionally complicit in the rise of fascism that threatens our democracy. And to quote you here, you said, mainstream media, have long tried to treat Republicans and Democrats equally. Some, like me, thought that that was the way to be fair. In fact, it was the way to be lazy and not have to sort out the facts. Just quote a Democrat and quote a Republican and you're done. What did you mean by that? Well, I mean, I you know, was in newspapers a long time and I edited stories uh, for the Tribune from Washington you know, about politics. And you know, I was thinking back about 20, 30 years ago, I felt like you had... You know, Democrats and Republicans were kind of equally corrupt, kind of, or, or the same levels. I went back and looked at the various scandals like Abscam and, you know, in the Keating Five. Those were Democratic scandals as much or more than Republican scandals. And, you know, and I was thinking, you know, because when I was editing those stories, you know, it started to, you know, in the 90s, for example, I felt like I was being fair if I kind of equally skewered Republicans and Democrats or equally gave them each their say, you know, publish the story, let the readers, you know, sort it out. And there was some validity of that if they were equally truthful and equally uh, honest. Now, but what you've seen in the last couple decades, dramatically, in my opinion, is the move toward the Republican Party toward becoming a fascist party, becoming a, a dishonest party and systematically 
telling lies on purpose, not just we're just confused about these facts, but systematically creating propaganda and disinformation. And you have, you know, you have all these scandals with, I mean, again, many Washington scandals are, you know, multi-party, bipartisan scandals. But you, but I, I think that an objective journalist would have to look at it and say that the Republicans have become more corrupt and more lying in public than the Democrats by far. So what do we do about that, Matt? We, if we continue doing exactly the same thing we've always been doing, let's just say, you know, put like three quotes of Republicans, three quotes of Democrats, don't fact check them, just let them say their say, you know, publish it, write a headline for it, put it up, job done, right? Not job done. And, 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 we, and while the Republicans and Democrats might think we're being fair to them, or they may think, or we may have avoided having any of them call our, ed, our top editors and complain about what we're doing, we're not serving the public. We're not being fair to the, to the facts. And, and to me, that's job one. Even when I you know, was working in a newsroom and I had bosses, believe me, but I thought I was working for the people. I thought I was working for the customers. And if you stop thinking about you're working for the customers, you know, who are you working for other than yourself? And, and, and so, so, Matt, what it's become is what used to be just considered lazy journalism is now a, a scandal to the very existence of our democracy. Well, part of what I hear you saying here is that consumers, which is, I mean, we're, we're all, we're used to thinking of that in a purely economic sense, but we're information consumers, we're news consumers. Mm -hmm. And look, we all seek out confirmation bias. We, we like information comfort food to a certain extent. And so what I hear you saying to some degree is that the, the traditional role from an editorial standpoint of a newspaper or a TV station is to sort of not let people get angry because they feel like they're not getting a fair serving of their own brand of comfort food. Mm -hmm. They'll accept right. Right. that there's some criticism of their side if they at least get some representation from their side as well. But the problem seems to be, and, and tell me if I'm misreading this, that it's, it's the Stephen Colbert quip that the facts have a well-known liberal bias. And so the response of Fox News, which is to say, hey, look, forget the facts for a second. We're just going to serve our consumers, our audience, what they want all the time, 24 seven, which is their information comfort food. Right. That's, that's, that's yeah, one way to go with this, but that's not journalism. And you have to go where the facts lead you. Right. Well, the thing about Fox news, it's also so dangerous is that they're in cahoots with the people they were supposedly were reporting on. It's so obviously not journalism. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a fake journalism conspiracy to, to both, both bolster and lie about the Republicans. And, and that's not, you know, I'm not really, I'm not saying that the news media need to, you know, don't say anything bad about Joe Biden. Sure. Say things bad about Joe Biden. If he's done bad things, be, you know, be, be, be true to the facts, but don't just, don't just assume that just because somebody said something, you're obligated to put it in the paper. You, you, are you familiar, Matt, with the what they call the truth sandwich? It's called. Oh it's, yes, oh it, yes. It, I, it, I, it's it's a it's a cousin. It's it's a cousin mm. by marriage of the BS. I, I can't I can't say on the radio, but it's the old bleep word sandwich, which is a right. way to give people criticism. Right, but well, so what with the truth sandwich? The proper way when you are reporting on a prominent politician lying, and you know they're lying, you just know because. It, the facts are obvious in some cases, 
And we've never seen so many lies as we're seeing today. All right, so the truth sandwich means that instead of saying, instead of repeating their lie and then moving on or repeating their lie or saying their lie and then at the end saying, but that possibly may not be true. You frame it, you would frame it with an opening sentence that says, Donald Trump lied today about the issue of immigration, period. Then you put his quote on and then you explain why he lied. But by, by, by saying at the start and at the end that Donald Trump lied about this, you do not elevate the lie. That too often the way the construction is in newspaper stories is, or in, on TV is, is that they get, actually think that they're calling out a lie, but they're giving the lie more credence and more time and more legitimacy than they mean it for it to. And you know how it is. The real scary thing that we have learned in this era is that propaganda works. It works. Well, I want to ask you about that. I mean, that's, that is part of the problem, it seems to me. And you identify part of it. Boy, there are two, there are two pieces of this that I, I'd love to break down. And this is going to turn into a watermelon of a question. And I don't mean it to. But I guess my first question would be, is the truth sandwich approach, is it enough anymore? Because we now have so much great work by scholars like Brendan Nyhan at Dartmouth College and, and other experts mm-hmm. on disinformation and misinformation right. and how it spreads online that it almost doesn't matter. The context or the fact check doesn't matter because eventually like the chaff around the kernel of wheat, it blows away. And what consumers get, what, what the public gets is the repetition and the repetition, even an insane statement. So I could tell you right now that the, the increase in tooth decay in America is caused by a vampire conspiracy. That's the most ridiculous top of mind thing that I, I could have come into my brain. If I say it on the radio to tens of thousands of people in New Hampshire, like we're doing today, if I say that every week, at some point, people are going to start to wonder about why so many people have to go to the dentist and what vampires have to do with it. I mean, can you truth sandwich your way out of this anymore? No, I mean, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, what you said, I'd love to do, I've been tempted to do an experiment like that, where you just ask people to, to all over Twitter, for example, say there's nothing no truth to the fact that to this assertion that uh, vampires cause tooth decay and saying it over and over again and denying it over and over again. And I'll bet you'd end up with more people thinking the vampires created tooth decay. Right. So, so which makes your point, but I, so I think you can ignore things. See, this is another thing that's a problem when we have this giant internet and big news websites that we have to fill every day is that people don't feel comfortable enough simply ignoring things. Like on, on January 6th, I was very disappointed to see C-SPAN cover the Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates uh, press conference they had about how the FBI allegedly caused January 6th, the attack on the Capitol. I mean, just just shameless lying, just, just n- not no truth to it, just complete BS. And I know C-SPAN likes to bill itself as kind of unfiltered news, and I get that, but they don't shoot, they don't cover everything because some things happen at the same time. And that was one that they could have avoided because they knew it was all a pack of lies. And I, I don't think, I don't see why they, why it's a public service to repeat lies. So, so legitimate, honest news media should feel more comfortable ignoring, ignoring things that, that people say simply to, uh, to further their own nasty corruption and political ends. Well, and that kind of gets to the other thing 
that I successfully managed to break apart from my first question so that I didn't I didn't flood the zone. Flood the zone, by the way. Let's let's put that in the parking lot because I want to come back <laughs> to that idea. It's it's another thing right. you've suggested. But it seems to me that one of the things we see in and I want to make a distinction here. When people talk about the media, I mean that's that's sort of the wrong term. I think what you're referring to and what people mean to refer to is what we would traditionally call actual media. Mm -hmm. And I, I think of that as distinct from right-wing media, which isn't right. really media. It's sort of propaganda arms loosely disguised. So right. one news network, you know, right. and the kinds of things Newsmax. you see. Right, Th those kinds of things. And the 1500 conservative talk radio stations out mm -hmm. there, that is the media most broadly right. termed. Right. But, but what you see in that kind of, of media is an attempt to, to essentially gaslight our brains, to, to overload our brains with questions about things that should be established beyond any shadow of a doubt. And so you have a story like, for example, the exhaustively documented, carefully researched time frame of Donald Trump's failures and inactions and denialism on COVID. Right. There is extensive documentary evidence of just how badly he failed, the sequence of events, the decisions he made right. and why he made them and his motivations. And he's on tape admitting he lied. He's on tape. Right. He, right, he tells, he tells, he tells Bob Woodward, Woodward right. he tells Bob Woodward that we knew the whole time, we knew as early as February of 2020, how bad this was. So we have what, in the O.J. Simpson prosecution, they would have called a mountain of evidence, a mountain of evidence. And yet what you start to see in right-wing media is muddying the waters, overwhelming our brains, questions. Is this really what's going on? Hasn't Joe Biden failed? Let's, let's throw enough chaff into the atmosphere. And I guess the question is, how should the media handle something like that because it is a story that's out there it's something right. that, that needs to be addressed in some way so you've sat inside and directed these editorial rooms how do you handle how should editors at newspapers handle campaigns like this that seem to be an attempt to gaslight america well you know i experienced it firsthand when I was at the Chicago Tribune and we were dealing with the birther stuff during the, you know, when Obama, and that's a real good early indication of the kind of stuff that they were going to continually pull and they have pulled ever since. But, you know, then nobody with a brain thought that Obama was not born in, in this country. There was a, there was a birth notice in a Honolulu newspaper the day after he was born. So either some, so was there a fiendish plot to, put a birth announcement in there so that we could sneakily get a half African-American, half white guy with a funny name to be president, you know, decades in the future. No, no, it's just, it's, it's just baloney. And, you know, and, they were in league with the vampire dentists. I yeah, think. exactly. But see, but see, that's what Trump wrote that to political success. And, and so, all right. So I'm at the Tribune 
And I was, you know, you know, an editor there. And my boss said, hey, we we feel like we need to do a story on this, this truthers, you know, this, I mean, this birther stuff. And and I said, oh, can't we just ignore it? You know, I mean, we know it's baloney. So can we just ignore it? No, we don't think we can. We're getting, the editor's getting calls all the time from people saying that we're trying to cover it up. And, 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 and honestly, my boss was an honest person who was trying to do the best job that he could. And he said, no, we, we feel like we like it's it's out there. And that's, you know, then you get the old math. It's it's out there. Thing, it's out there. Which, it's, which excuses you doing printing anything if you if you let that be a reason. And he said, no, we feel like we just got to throw some truth on this. And that's what, news, you know, news organizations are for is to fact check things, find out the truth. And so we, so I got a reporter to do it and he did a, a fine job. I edited it. We, the story concluded there was nothing to it, that it was just a total baloney uh, rumor. But, but, you know, just looking back on it, I don't think that story like knocked it down at all. I think it may have been, it may have elevated it. There may have been people who more people thought that, that Obama was born in Kenya after that story ran than before, even though the whole point of the story was to say it was BS. So I do think there's a real, I do think that legitimate news media can ignore baloney that they know is baloney they just in fact they're obligated to today well that's that's sort of the problem that it's like it's like a john le carré novel it's like it's like a clever little knot that Mm -hmm. right-wing media has tied Mm -hmm. traditional media into because you see it in something like the claims that there is rampant voter fraud which of course was the grandfather of the big lie and so there seems to be a wash rinse and repeat cycle of of this mm-hmm. kind of thing like it's like it's like a life cycle where well, go please no 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 another example is the is the hillary emails thing now i personally think that hillary made a mistake with that emails thing and that was not good for her to do but the trump people have been doing that in spades they've been doing that way more than you know systematically they were doing that in the white house and without a peep from anyone on the on the right they didn't think it was a bad thing that Hillary did that. They just were looking for something to slime her with. You know, right. again, I think that it was bad. I think she shouldn't have done it. I think she should have followed, you know, by the book and done it. The Republicans didn't think it was a bad thing. They just thought it was a it was a talking point. And, and so you have to understand that, too, when you elevate things that are really not as important as you're as you're making them. And but the, what I'm, I'm saying also want to make really clear is that uh, too many people in the Washington news media feel like it's in their best interest to both sides everything. It's a safe thing to do and gets them invited to all the right cocktail parties. It gets, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it, it is part of the whole social scheme of Washington for them to do that. And so they have vested interest in not reporting the fact that we have a fascist insurrection going on. We were talking about the fact that what seems to happen with right-wing media is that in cahoots with the Republican Party, they throw out something that could be BS. It could be the Obama birther story. It could be something that is a legitimate problem, a legitimate mistake, but a fairly, a fairly minor one, Hillary Clinton's emails. I, I'm not minimizing the death of four Americans in the Benghazi incident, but the Benghazi incident, which was blown way way out of proportion there was an incident similar to that in africa early in trump's administration absolutely and the republicans didn't have a peep to say about it nothing to say about that with a similar loss of american life and of course 
we've seen it as well more recently in the reporting and the and the I'd say monomaniacal focus on some of the missteps in the FBI investigation into the Trump ties to Russia and some of the mistakes were, that were made in the application to the FISA court. I've already bored half our listeners by getting into the minutia. But the point is, you repeat them, you talk about them, you talk right. about it as the great. I have, I have intelligent, insightful, thoughtful Republicans that I'm friends with, who I talk about this with on a regular basis, and they are pretty convinced that this incident, this this application for a visa, to for a visa, I'm sorry, for a warrant to the FISA court is right. the greatest scandal in American history. Right. And the point is they leverage all of these things into creating a, a an imbalance. It's sort of flooding our ability. It's a denial of service era, error in our brains. So I was asking a moment ago, what do we do about stuff like this? You extended in your Twitter thread of September 27th, 2021, you said that Republicans are really good at this. They're really good at flooding the zone. They overwhelm the media with either kind of blown up stories that there's not a lot of there there in order to confuse people, or they create scandal fatigue, which as you say in your thread, prompts journalists to do something that you call ethics norming. That's when something that would have been a huge scandal in the recent past is considered normal now. What's your what's your best mental example of that? What what do you mean by scandal fatigue and ethics norming? Well, I'm, I I do understand the fact that if Trump is going to say something outrageous, racist, sexist every day that, you know, after a while that becomes, you know, news is supposed to be something that doesn't happen all the time. But but if it happens all the time, I, it becomes a scandal. It becomes a challenge for the news media to decide whether it's news or not. And when you have, you know, just this parade of, of, of stuff, like the, the fact that these Republican senators were uh, undergoing briefings on COVID and immediately were going to making stock purchases, stuff like that, you know, just or stock sales, but you know, I mean, this is just, just just incredible corruption. You know, look at how many of the members of uh, Trump's cabinet had to quit under fire, and and after a while, I do think that the news media get tired of that, and they realize that oh my gosh, it's not, you know, the audience. There's not an audience for it because everyone has, as I say, scandal fatigue. But it's really up to the news media to um, you know, to to decide what American values are, what the, their own values are. And if they're one of their, if an American news outlet can't make democracy one of its values, what is it doing here? I mean, it, it, I mean, if you, if you don't go into the journalism because you think that it's important to maintain a democracy, I, you may be in it for the wrong reason. So, so, so I, I think that they, they have to, they have to get over the, the scandal fatigue and keep on being outraged. That's the thing. We're in this kind of place now where it's 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 so bad that it's you have to make you have to consciously maintain outrage because other you know because you could do every day there's something bad happening, especially when Trump was in the White House. But even now, so so the news media that way. There's also a tendency. Here's an example from just recently, just yesterday, actually. When Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, who's just terrible, in, in my opinion, 
because he's uh, dishonest. He just lies about stuff, especially he lies about one of the most important things going on now, which is the pandemic. And if you're lying about the pandemic, you're killing people. And I think that he, that, and his lies about the pandemic are uh, unconscionable. Plus all that crazy stuff with him going to Russia, plus other, anyway, kind of a, a did, for a good reason, Democrats have targeted him for defeat. And, but it'll be hard, he's an incumbent. Anyway, so AP writes a story about him announcing that he's going to run for a third term. Well, just before he got elected to a second term, he announced very publicly that he was only gonna do two terms. So he was not gonna do a third term. You know, and, and yesterday he was saying, well, the circumstances have changed. No, of course they've changed. Yeah, you're because you, you've run out of your time. But AP, I loved AP's, I didn't love it, but I, the AP's wording was just perfect. They, they said he had rescinded his promise. Instead of saying he lied or he broke his promise, he broke his promise. It was he had rescinded his promise. It almost made it like seem as if it was some sort of administrative process in order to weasel out of your promises. If you apply for a repeal of your promise, it's okay. You know, it, I mean, it, it was, they, they turned it into such a, a official process instead of just saying that the, you know, the politician just flat out lied. And that's what he did. And, and, and so there's a, the, the lack of direct language. You know, when you see people say, well, what he said didn't square with the truth. Oh, you mean he lied? Yeah, that's what they mean. And and news, I was told specifically not to use the not to say that Trump was lying. When I was, you know, I, I left the trip in 2018. I got a, took a buyout, and I so I was there for the first years of Trump. And the way way that we did it, the way that the New York Times did it, the way the Washington Post did it, was that they they tried to say what Trump said and then say why it was a lie, and but not say why it was a lie. I mean, in effect, they would say. And we would say, you know, Trump said this, here's what the truth is. And then we'd let the readers figure it out. Well, you know, come on. I mean, what are we here for? The news media is here to actually make it understandable for the readers, not to like create math problems for the readers. So, 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 so this idea that, well, we don't want to say that Trump lied, even though we're going to say what he said, and then we're going to say the truth, which is 180 degrees from what he said, but we're not going to say that it was a lie. And, and that's where the news media is acting in the best interest of the news media, they think, because they can maintain this false objectivity and not get, you know, not seem like they're being uh, too liberal or too conservative and, and just kind of st go straight down the, the middle. But straight down the middle is not where we are at a country. We have one political party that is systematically spewing disinformation into the system. And if you don't, if, if you don't, go by that premise, you're making a mistake. And Matt, I just want, before I go, I'll stop my rant here in a second, but I, I want to say that that's driving me crazy is that the Washington news media, many of them are trying to cover the midterm just like it's uh, you know any other election. And here's how midterms have gone for the last several decades. Well, it's not the last several decades. We're in a dramatically different situation going on right now because the Republicans are trying to overthrow our democracy with, by, by, creating an election fraud and some voter suppression and casting doubt on elections and not accepting fair results. It is a, it is a crisis. And for the news media in Washington to be talking about the midterms, like it's some sort of little you know thing that happens every two years and we'll just cover it the same way we always have, is making, they're missing the biggest story of their entire lives if they're not covering it under this frame. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I'm hearing, 
I'm hearing two threads of sort of problem emerge from, from what you're saying. And both I think relate to the ways in which we get information, the, the, the way that that's fundamentally changed during the course of, you and I are of a certain vintage, I, I'm gonna say that we're very young. We're, 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 <laughs> we're young, vigorous types, but we've been around a little bit as well. And so we grew up in a world of a certain kind of media, a certain kind of way of taking information. But the world has moved on, the world has evolved. And I'm wondering if the media has really caught up because there are two, there are two threads that I'm hearing. One is dealing with outrage. And to some degree, it's important to maintain, as you say, the outrage when outrageous things happen. On the other hand, one of the dynamics of social media that we know all too well is that it's more important to be trending than it is to be on the right side of things. And there are plenty of people who will give hate attention to what you're saying. And that's what we saw in 2016 when it was estimated that Donald Trump got $2 billion worth of free cable media coverage, mostly because he was fueling the outrage machine. And by the way, in doing so, in fueling the outrage machine, but keeping it focused on his insane statement of the day, rather than the deeper insanity of his policies and what he wanted to do if he, God forbid, should become president, which he did, he, he took all of our eye off of the more important ball. So, you know, that's, that's what I, let me stop there. I, I have another thread that I hear you saying, but how do you handle that in the social media, it's trending now kind of world? Do, is it better for editors in your position to channel the outrage or to be much more selective and not feed into the trending? Uh, that's, boy, that's a good question. I, I mean, the thing about it with, yeah, these are not easy answers and I'm not, not acting like being in the news media right now is, is an easy thing to do because as I said, you have to ignore some things. There's some things you don't want to ignore because part of the media's uh, duty now is to e expose indecency, to expose the threat. So it's, it's a very fine line. But it seemed like it was always more important to go after the serious stuff than after the silly stuff, you know. And, and there's plenty of both with with Trump. And they, you know, they really like to command the storyline, but move off of the storyline too. You know, the latest, they could do a scandal of the day as long as they change the subject every day, and that's what they were very good at doing. That's a that's a the thing is that that the left or the Democrats or whatever you want to call the opposition. They are too. They they take the, the the they bite into the hook too fast. They like they really they they are very reactive, and therefore they let the right kind of set the agenda. So that's mm. and that's and and that's a lot of what's going on. I do feel though though that this, it was very important to address the policy stuff rather than the the goofy stuff. But like although you know I I want to know if my presidential candidate is bragging on tape about committing sexual assault by grabbing women's private parts when he's just met them. That's kind of creepy to me. And it should be to, to all Americans. And I can't, it's really just still blows my mind that that kind of person could get elected. 
Well, let me ask you then about the about the other thread that you were suggesting there. You cited the headline, the AP headline about Ron Johnson, and it used the word rescinded. Reminded me of when I was a congressional staffer and I used to work for this guy, Mike Michaud, member of Congress. He never went to college. In 28 years, union member, worked at a paper mill. He's a very intelligent man. He just that that level of education is just not something that was part of his career. And so I was writing a speech for him once where I was talking about how our reckless spending in Washington was taking us to the precipice of disaster. And he said, Matt, what is this word precipice? That's not a word I would ever use. No, no real human being uses the word precipice, which reminds me of rescinded. And it, it does kind of connect back to this idea of has media updated to the world we're living in. Because nowadays, if I want to read about Ron Johnson, or if I'm going to read about Ron Johnson, chances are I'm going to do it on Facebook, for one thing. Chances are I'm going to get something written by, by not a highly trained journalist with a command of the English language. I'm going to get some blunt thing, probably written in a Romanian bot lab, and going to it's going to be algorithmically designed to appeal to my preconceived notions. And I'm going to get repetition of all of that. And then I'm going to have the artisanal headline from the AP, Ron Johnson rescinds earlier commitment to two right. terms. Right. So have, do you, did you think about that in the newsroom? Did you think about, hey, we've got to use the, the platform we still command, the audience we still command, to give people something very clear that combats the crap that's out there? Yeah, they... Yes. I mean, I think that it's that good journalists are always trying to cut through the crap and, and, and be understandable. The problem is that often the truth is very complicated and some you know, journalists don't want they don't like sweeping statements. And I, I get that. But it is really the part of the job of the news media to explain what the heck is happening, even if it's complicated to people so that they can understand it. I think. I, <sighs> I think that the big disappointment, at least for me in this era, is that the truth has, I mean, and Mark Twain said it a million years ago, but, but the truth is, is more effective. Than, I mean, the lies are more effective than the truth in many cases. They're more, they're sexier, they're more interesting, they're newer, and it's just sometimes the truth can be boring. And, and is Biden doing a perfect job? He's not doing a perfect job. There are things that, so, and, 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 and let me be really clear. I'd like the news media to point out what Biden is doing a bad job, but I would not, I would like them to not be gleeful that he's doing a bad job so that they can slam him so that they can appear more fair. And I think that, I think there is a, an eagerness among some in the news media to kind of, to advertise their objectivity or their perceived objectivity by acting as if every scandal is, you know, and, 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 and therefore, elevating minor democratic scandals and, and ignoring much more serious Republican ones. Well, that's a great example. We're As we record this, we're right now in the middle of what is objectively a failure of the Biden administration. I'm a Democrat. I'll come out and say it. Right now, we should have plenty of COVID tests stockpiled. Mm -hmm. We should have mm -hmm. plenty of KN95 masks stockpiled. The fact that we don't in America is a shortcoming. It's a failure of this administration. Now, as I exhaustively argued to one of my Republican friends this morning, this pales in comparison to the depth of failure that the Trump administration and that Donald Trump himself personally in his leadership role in that administration 
is responsible for and the amount of death that, that he caused. But it creates a dilemma for people in the media. And I am now in the media because I'm going to go on the air for a show that will be airing on WKXL and, and released as a pod actually before this comes out. And we're going to be talking about this. And I'm not sure how much I want to talk about it because the fact of the matter is, if I'm giving airtime to a failure of the Biden administration, to some degree, I am doing the work. There's already plenty of airtime right. being given to a factless context diatribe on the 1500 right. conservative media talk shows out there and Fox right. News and all of these outlets. And so what do you do? I mean, if you were to if you were to take over as editor-in-chief at the Tribune or WAPO or any of these major traditional media outlets, how would you handle covering a story in an important public public affairs issue like this? I, as I, I would I would report on the shortcomings, but but at the same time, I do think there was a WAPO story over the weekend or on Friday, I think is when it posted all about how the fact that Biden goes to a lot of funerals is is making it seem as if that was a bad thing, you know, as if as if as if well, aren't there more important things for him to do? And you know, just as somebody who's assigned stories and edited stories in newsrooms for decades, that smelled of a story that got written because someone said that they needed a story for the weekend. And, and and because it was not really important, it was kind of stupid if you if you ask me. I mean, so Biden is actually gives a crap about people and it cares about relationships. It's obvious obvious that Trump didn't. And you know, it's anyway. It's I think that there are a lot of stories that get written just to that are kind of I'd say performative. They're like uh, journalists write them to to show how objective they are, but. You really have to look at the weight here. I mean, on on one side, you have the Democrats being pretty much what Democrats have been for, you know, historically. You know, you know, some want some more spending policies, or want more, you know, this and that. Democrats really have not changed in the last 30, 40 years very much. Republicans have gone taken a who were already conservative have taken a sharp right turn to where they don't believe in fair elections anymore. They want. They don't. They will not accept any result in which they lose. They are systematically anti-news media. They do not want it. They're not inter interested in disclosure of anything. They defy subpoenas. They they conspire to pressure people to to fix elections. I mean, on audio, for example. So so you if you're running news media, you got to weight things based on the reality. Not based on you know how many stories you have to write, and do we have to write two? I have to write two critical stories about the Democrats to write two story, critical stories about the Republicans. That kind of quota system is a big mistake now, and you need. I think that they need to make sure that they're writing critical stories about everyone, but that the weighting has to be toward the importance. And the, there's nothing more important now than what I view as a, a systematic assault on democracy by the Republican Party. So in that context, given that we are facing that, and I completely agree with you. And, you know, I, I've talked on this show about my, my article for Newsweek a, a few months back in which I, I said that 2024 is looking to be much, much worse. And it could really be the end, truly the end of American democracy as we know it. So that's what we're facing. That's what we're up against. So let's imbue you in the final two minutes of our show with some, with some magic powers. Is this fixable? 
it, it, can we fix it? Given that we're inundated with the crap on social media and the juggernaut of right-wing media, make no mistake, right-wing media dominates the eyeballs right. and the brains right. of Americans far more than traditional media. There. Is this a matter of you need more money for traditional media? You need a bigger plot? How would you fix it if you could? Well, not just right-wing media, but uh, left-wing media too, not just center. I mean, not just supposedly objective media. I'm not a big believer in objectivity. I mean, I think when you decide to go cover a story, you're making a value judgment. So I, I don't think that, I think that, that news media pretending to be objective has been a problem. They need to lead with their values. And if democracy is one of their values, they need to lead with it. I think that one, I think it's a scandal that Fox News is in on all cable systems and that people who don't want it have to pay for it. It's a, it's, it, it, it inoculates them from any accountability for their utterly irresponsible coverage of COVID that has undoubtedly killed Americans. And so, so you have that. I mean, I, money. I mean, you, what you have is a bunch of rich people financing a bunch of right-wing media. And, it, and, and, that's, and so people who actually give a damn need to be the ones who need to put their money where their mouth is and, and try to you know, tell all sides. And I, I just, I feel like, like it's really important to get, I don't know if we're ever going to get the, the past the cocoon that Fox News has created with people, but it's still a minority of people who have lost faith in democracy and have bought into the Republican fascist scheme. It's a minority of people. Are they going to take over the country simply because they are louder and more obnoxious? I don't think, I, I think that it's just, this is a year for good people to step up. I, well, that's I, 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 that's I think, great advice. I think 2024 is is almost. I'm worried that that's too late. I think 2022 is it because if Republicans retake the House, they could disallow any result from 2024. I mean, well, and would, very but, sage advice, seriously. And I, I I I couldn't agree more. I'll 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 leave it at that. I couldn't agree more. And we are going to have to leave it there. Mark Jacob, 41-year veteran of Chicago newspapers, high-level editor, and great media critic. Thanks so much for being on Beyond Politics. And remember, if you don't brush your teeth, the vampires win. Thanks, Matt.